Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Sitting across the living room from me today, Phyllis the dog. Actually, just kidding. We have Brockwell Nason in the house. What is up? Thank you for having me, Aaron, and most importantly, Phyllis. So good to be here. <laughs> she is a very pretty dog. She is. Yeah, I don't know how to shave her paws yet. How to like, sh- her oh. little paw pads are getting hairy, and <laughs> I, uh, I have to figure out how to take some better care of my dog. So. Yeah, the, the paws are tough. I mean, with my dogs, I've got one dog who loves his paws ru- rubbed, oh. and you can clip their nails, and then one dog who doesn't let us at all. Uh, what kind of dog do you have? So I've got, I've got a Border Collie mix as well as a Labradoodle. Labradoodle. Uh, who basically, he looks like a polar bear. Uh, <laughs> g- genuinely. Yeah, Labradoodles are like some of the most hyper dogs I've ever seen. Oh, they are. Um, he is, when we got him a few years back, he was a nightmare. Uh, but he's five now, and he is just the best, most golden all-American dog. What's his name? Find. His name is Cash. That's a classic so, Nashville dog. That's fair. Name. Classic Nas- Nashville dog. We've got Cash. <laughs> And then my uh, Border Collie is named Bono. After, Bono, that's a good after one. After you two, yeah. So we got Bono and Cash. Bono and Cash. Yeah, I wanted to name this, uh, this one something that wasn't like a, a boring dog name. I wanted to make it a boring human name. <laughs> that's so amazing. So she got Phyllis. Phyllis. Which sounds like a, a middle-aged woman. Yeah, it's like, like the office. Yeah, yeah exactly. Office, right. That's yeah. It. Phyllis Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Like how many, how many 22-year-old girls do you meet named Phyllis these days? I don't think I've met one. I don't think if I've being, even if met I, an If I do, woman. I'll let you know. You will be the first person <laughs> I contact, Aaron. Yeah, but uh, thanks for coming over today, man. Yeah, Welcome of course. To the pod. Thanks for having me. It's so, so much fun. So, like I said before we started recording, I want to start every episode the same way, asking the guest how we met. So, you said you went back and looked up actually how we met. Yeah, so I... um. The first time I met you or knew about you was early April 21, I believe. Um, I had a buddy... And Evan Peters, who was playing with you, and his friend, her name was Tori Jackson. I remember her last mm-hmm. Tori. I remember her. Yeah, Tori. Uh, so they were playing, and I, I was good friends with Evan, came and watched him, and I hadn't gotten much into Riders Rounds or playing anywhere yet, and so he gave me your contact, and then um, I remember I reached out to you, and you booked me for like an 11 p.m. full band gig <laughs> at Cabana Taps. <laughs> And so I looked back and I saw, and there we were, five of us just up in a line on that very Super strange rectangular wide, stage. stage. Uh, and there it is. That's, that's where the magic started. <laughs> yeah. So when did you move to Nashville? So I actually grew up in Nashville. You're a local? I, I am a local. You're a native. So, so I, was, I was actually born in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. But my family moved here when I was four or five years old for my dad to work in the music industry. So I've lived here since 2003. That's so cool. 20 years this year, I've lived in Nashville. Grew up here. I went to high school and college here. In the, Where'd you in go town. to school? Um, I went to MTSU in Murfreesboro. Cool. Got my music degree there. Yeah. When, when, what year did you graduate college? I graduated college in 21. So, okay. I, I, was, so I would have met you right as I was finishing up okay. school. Yeah. Man, I don't feel like some of these people that I've met are like actually just younger like yeah i mean you've got the the like the long hair the long and the hair. full beard. beard you're like you're I a know. man and then in my brain i'm just like i'm a kid because i can't grow a full goatee <laughs> for sure yeah yeah no i get that no i yeah i've been able to grow the beard since high school i've Have looked, you really i've looked like this since i was about 16 <laughs> you've it's, looked like an actual grown man yes just 
So we're hoping I just look like this for the next 30 years. That, <laughs> that's that's why I have the goatee now, not because I like the way that I look with a goatee, but because it ages me just a little bit. Right. And yes. I have a baby, a bad baby face, so uh-huh. I don't want to have to be like, hi, my name's Aaron. Yeah. And they're like, oh, <laughs> like, okay. where do you go to school, buddy? <laughs> yeah. I say, did you show your show your ID to get in here? You, sh- you shouldn't be allowed to be in here, sir. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before where I've gotten ID at the venues where I host my shows, and they're like, uh, "This looks like a fake." And I'm like, "I'm I work here. I, wor- I work you saw here. Me, I was you saw me play last night. You, I was here last night. I was like, I I was drinking a beer last so, night. Uh, we literally took a shot together <laughs> yesterday. No, it's it's fun like being like looking young, but I I do have to uh, to make sure that I don't look too young. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally get it. Yeah. I mean, cool. having the baby face all through high school was great because I was like, I'm I look young, but I would like to look older. And now I'm like the receding hairline is starting to creep back. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> hey, the baby face is going to come in handy when you're in your 40s and 50s, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so. the. Uh, the the genetics the family genes are finally catching up to me. Yep, it happens. It does. Yeah. So Nashville local, Nashville native. Have you always been in music? Um. Yes. I. Yes and no. Um, well, you said I've, your dad was in the music. Yeah, industry. my dad was in the music. So he what did man- your dad do? He managed when we moved here. Um, country and Christian artists. Uh, cool. Kind of around town. Um, nobody huge, but that was how he made his full time living. Was managing, going on the road with uh, different artists. So I kind of grew up going to random shows, you know, That's at the listening room back when it was in Franklin, like a long, long time ago. Wow. And, uh, all those sorts of places. Um, and then he did that up until 2008 ish when the recession hit that hit, um, music pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So now he writes, uh, he's a songwriter and he writes musicals now, like Broadway Whoa. style. That's neat. Musicals. And so, uh, growing up, of course I, I always sang and played music and stuff. Uh, I was bigger into sports growing up. I was an athlete all the way through high school, through my you senior play? year, baseball and basketball. Baseball. Um, I played both pretty competitively at a high level for as long as I can remember as a kid, uh, but also played guitar. And I started playing guitar in fourth, fifth grade and been singing my whole life. Both of my parents were singers. Um, and then in high school, I got really into theater and doing musicals and shows uh, we did this show in high school called All Shook Up, which is uh, essentially a play on Elvis. Mm-hmm. It's like an Elvis-themed show where the, the lead guy is named Chad, and <laughs> all of the songs are Elvis songs that they weave a story into, and oh, so cool. I got to play the Elvis character and sing all the Elvis songs. You're talking to the right guy. I was in theater, too. Amazing. I was Very a big cool. musical kid. Yeah, I, I was... I mean, I would go watch my dad's shows growing up, but then, yeah, theater got, in high school, I got really into it. Um, and then in college, I, of course, I went to music school. Did you go to Belmont? I went to MTSU. Oh, you went to MTSU. You said yeah. that. What did you study there? Um, so music education. Um, okay. So I got, so basically what that means, I got a music degree um, with kind of an education tag on so I could teach. Did you um, want to go teach like high school choir or something? Yes. So right now I'm teaching uh, middle school and high school choir. Sweet. Um, I've got three classes at the middle school I work at and three classes at the high school I work at. Got, uh, five choir classes and I teach a guitar class. Mr. Nason. Well. Mr. Nason. <laughs> that is what they call me out in the wild. My choir yes. director in high school was Mr. Feltz, but we are like our theater director. She just made us call her Robin. Robin. Yeah. There you go. I've got I've got a couple people who call me Brockwell. 
Really? They, they think it's, I, I was actually funny. I had a student uh, a bit ago. I was like, why do you keep calling me Brockwell? He's like, isn't that your last name? And I was like, no, no, it's not. It's like, it's my He's first like, name. That, it does sound like a last name. It does sound like a last name. And that's it's what like that's, Ricky Bobby that's having what, two first names. You've got two last names. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's and that's what he thought. <laughs> He's like, my bad, but <laughs> he hasn't. He still just calls me Brockwell. So, <laughs> so <laughs> just calling you by your first there name. There you go. I guess we're just on a first name basis now. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird calling my because my theater teacher Robin and the other like theater tech teacher, her name was Vicky. Like we just, it was very normal just calling our just, teachers by their first names. Right. And, it's different. I mean calling a teacher who's like an arts teacher right. by the, it's a little more casual than like your totally. ap physics teacher just what's up kevin like you just <laughs> like you wouldn't do that you know like that's just yeah like a friend of mine uh is another tour stopper his name is drew degener uh-huh. and he's a middle school science teacher and i can't imagine some 13 year old just like sixth grader coming up and be like what's up drew Drew. <laughs> yeah that just wouldn't happen so yeah there's a little bit different of a vibe if you're a a coach or a mm-hmm. theater or choir teacher or something. But yeah. So when, when did you quit being part of like the athletics and start transitioning more into the music? Um, going into college, I, like I said, I was great. I did. I was great at sports in high school. I wasn't good enough to go collegiate. And I quite frankly, didn't, didn't really want to, I right. realized I just loved music. Um, and the main reason I went, um, for education is, Hey, I've always loved working with kids. Um, but I, it's stable. I mean, that's there are many pros and cons we'll about teaching. Always need teachers. But having a job right now where I know I'm gonna get paid, I know there's a paycheck coming. So I've got a wife in a house, so always I've got to pay the mortgage, you know? <laughs> and uh then of course the couple months off in the summer. Um sweet. Is what, pretty sweet. I mean, I don't work at all in the summer and get paid for that. My brother was a choir teacher for a long time and he always said there's three reasons why I'm a teacher. June, July, and August. June, July, it's for sure. <laughs> now, I will say, the summers are getting shorter and shorter. I think you even texted me the week I went back, and you asked me something, and I was it's like... It's like the beginning I, of August. I can't. It, I, I was like, I can't. I'm at school, and you're like, bro, it's July. <laughs> we literally went back July 31st. That's crazy. This year. To just yeah. start getting ready for this. To just start. It was like a Monday, and then we started later that week, and yeah. That's... Why are the school years getting longer? <sighs> I don't... Are kids not getting, getting dumber? That they just need more time. I mean, maybe uh, longer breaks, I guess. I don't know. And we also have like built-in snow days into the calendar. Okay, that's cool. Um, so that we don't have to stay longer if it snows. But then it doesn't snow enough here, so we're just now working. Yeah, extra you know Tennessee, days. famous for getting snowed out, right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we get a quarter inch of snow, and then everybody's like, "Nope, it's the city's closed. Just all done. Yep, <laughs> yeah, it's gone for sure." I'm surprised that they still even do snow days to begin with, with virtual learning the way that it was in 2020. Like they're like, "Oh, we can't make it to school. We're going virtual today." Yeah, um, I will. As a teacher, I'm really glad that they still just give us traditional snow days. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the thought of like, since we can do online, if there's a snow day now, then why don't why don't we just do virtual? But honestly, the snow the snow day is good for psych. It's, it's yeah, the I teachers, mean, the, admin, and students. the pure unbridled joy of being eleven years old and waking up 
as the sun is rising and seeing it snowing, you're like, oh, yeah. it's happening. If you think the joy of an 11-year-old is great, wait till you are a teacher looking <laughs> at that radar. You're like, I don't I, have to go uh, to like, work today. I don't have to go to work today. You're like, I'm up at 5 o'clock yes. in the morning watching the radar, but if this is <laughs> if this is the best gamble, if I win, I'm going back to bed. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> the joy of a snow day as an adult far exceeds what the student is even mentally able to comprehend. Oh, kids don't know what it's like to be stressed or scared. Well, maybe not the same, but like, it's like the, the they've never had to work jobs and the, the right. same everything every day. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't have to do a show. I'm like, or like if plans get canceled, right. it's like the best. Yeah, for so, sure. Have you ever listened to the comedian John Mulaney? Yes, I have. One of my favorite bits of his is when he's talking about the difference between children and adults and it's like you know when you're a kid someone asks you what are you doing this weekend and you're like i'm not doing anything and it sucks and now as an adult someone's like what are you doing this weekend and you're like i'm not, not doing, doing anything, anything. <laughs> yeah. no for sure um yeah it's so it's so drastic even like when i'm asking my students yeah what they're doing for the weekend they're like, nothing. It's going to be terrible. I'm like, that sounds great. That sounds great. I, I've got to do a lot of stuff. You want to trade? Weekend. Yeah, do you want to trade? So, <laughs> yeah. But let's see. So you did the, the music education path, but were you always trying to do singer-songwriter stuff at the same time? Yeah. So, yes, I have. It's been interesting. I've been loosely for the past few years, I'd say ever since I was in college, um, doing kind of the singer-songwriter stuff. Um, I put out my first EP in 2019. What was that called? It's called Just Your Karaoke. Just uh, Your Karaoke. That's um, a good name. Yeah, I don't know. It was actually, um, the the song is kind of an ode to Harry Styles. Interesting. The hook is, however however hard I try, it always, it always seems to me that he's your Harry Styles and I'm just your karaoke. Oh. Back when uh, Harry was big in one direction. And I wrote it in high school with, when couple they were buddies the when they were big their... and it's just funny that's kind of held up now because i mean the dude is huge oh yeah even he's, at this he's, moment. he and taylor swift and ed sheeran they're just like the just the king the rulers of the yeah. of the earth right now yeah it's I, funny that the presidents and the prime ministers think they're in charge when in reality it's taylor swift and beyonce carrying the economy on yeah, their backs i mean Taylor Swift going to these cities and what she's doing is unbelievable. I went, um, I went to the first night of her Nashville um, show did you? back in May. I did. And was it transcendent? It was one of the most amazing things I've seen ever. Like not, that- not just music, like just greatest It's like a things. full three-hour stage production. Yeah, I mean, she did everything short of skydiving into Nissan Stadium. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I don't know what else she could have done it was brilliant musicianship was great it looked great she sounded great the choreography it was just enthralling the entire time now in my brain i'm trying to picture what it would look like to have taylor swift actually like parachute in parachute <laughs> into the stadium right yeah, yeah i feel like back in the 80s during like the stadium rock era like that had to have happened right some, uh, surely, surely, surely Axl rose is coming <laughs> yeah. in from a parachute in john bon jovi yeah, I can't imagine that never happened. Yeah. Somebody would be like, but the liability insurance. And Taylor Swift is literally like, did you hear for the third night when it ran so late, she was paying by the minute? Yes, to because of the noise. Because of the noise. Yeah. And it was like $290,000 in fees. 
And can you imagine just being like, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, and she's still, what, going to gross a billion? Something, something like that. They're projecting. It's just, just wild. I can't imagine that level of success. Like, a friend of mine told me yesterday that she has 24-hour security detail, uh-huh. which I, would, I think that would suck. Like, what? For sure. Like, you what can't do you, go what do you, anywhere. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't do anything. And there's another comedian that I really like that has a routine about how he has, like, the perfect level of success. He can go on theater tours and sell out mm-hmm. 5,000 seats in a big city, Chicago, New York, L.A., and then he gets to wake up in his hotel the next morning, go to the Starbucks across the street, and nobody knows who he nobody, is. Right. Nobody cares. <laughs> Which is kind of life. And even, I mean, talking about like future careers, like for people like us, it's like, yeah, that could be the difference between being a super successful artist and a super successful songwriter. Right. Right. I mean, if you're a songwriter, you're you know, making just as much money potentially. And, and then you, you don't have to deal with TMZ. Right. <laughs> TMZ. Gosh, new goal. End up on TMZ in I some be, form. Everyone's like, I want to be featured in Rolling Stone. I want to be in I want to be in all these cool magazines. You're like, I want to be on no, TMZ. Give me TMZ. <laughs> That's amazing. So but, when did you start wanting to do songwriting more uh, more seriously? When did you start playing yeah. out regularly? So um like I said, I released that EP in 2019 and then put out several singles kind of while I was in college, whether it was me self-producing myself or uh having an, a buddy help me out. Um it was actually funny this year this last year this last january my new year's resolution i was like you know what i i'm gonna give this thing more of a full shot than i've been before i'm gonna play more i'm gonna write more um and just put myself out there and i have i really feel like um how many how many I've, times have you gotten to play do you have any idea this year yeah have you done a have you done a, an arm tally to keep track i'm probably in the 40s or 50s that's awesome on the year i mean i'm just i'm reaching out to everybody i know you know hearing back from most people you know you you know how it is sometimes yep. you don't hear but uh no i'm getting to play a lot i'm meeting a lot of people i'm getting to different circuits uh more opportunities right um just more opportunities to play i there is nothing i love more than just playing music out, no matter what it is it's Cover fun is because great. you get to Original have that imme- like when you play a song and an audience connects with it you get to see it immediately when it when it's like watching somebody when they're like smoking a joint and they hit it for the first time or whatever and their body changes right you can see that like that emotional reaction with a song like somebody hears the hook and they're like <gasps> yeah it's like <laughs> it's like the buzz of having a room captivated through your music is something that I'm just chasing all the mm-hmm. time. Um, there's nothing like it. Yeah, Super I remember fun. one of the first times I played my song, Don't Invite Me to Your Wedding. Yes. And that song, like, I wrote it deliberately to be funny. I uh-huh. wanted it to be dumb. And there's that line in the bridge, and it says, the maid of honor won't admit how bad she needs a cocktail. <laughs> and yes. I remember delivering that for the first time and seeing the sheer disgust and, and- immediate, like, relief yeah it was like oh my god i did it (laughs) you know what's funny is i actually have this vivid memory back of belcourt taps all right r.i.p uh several years ago i didn't know you i just played a couple times with you i didn't know you super well yet but we were in a round together me and and you me and you were what we were you you booked or we were sitting on opposite it was like a four person we we're sitting on opposite ends it wasn't a tour stop round it was a tour stop it round. was a tour stop it was round. a tour stop round and you were you were playing in it and i remember i was first and you were last and you got down the line 
and you played that song, <laughs> which was just amazing. And what was funny is I was like, I'd either just gotten married or was about to be married. And I was like 22. So I was like very much in the vein of people who you were like kind of writing the song about and like about to play uh, some sort of love song. To, and I was like, all right, I've got a punt. And so <laughs> I, I think I might've even punted and playing that Harry Styles song. I was like, nice. I got to do something more upbeat because I'm not about to follow that with a song about how I love my wife. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah. Right after the song about the guy who's, who's doing this horrible thing, like don't invite me to your wedding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was, yeah. Belcourt. I played there a couple times um, with you. That was so. a special bar. We've was. talked about it a lot on the podcast and we're getting ready for the 100th episode of the Nashville tour stop podcast, uh-huh. which is incredible. Yeah. But we're having people send in little clips of some of their favorite memories and it's cool getting to listen through all of this and have so many people uh, talk about like a special thing that happened at that bar right. because it, it was gross. <laughs> that place was disgusting. Just Yeah, absolutely. But it was, it was, it was like, it was our gross. It was our, it was our it was disgusting. Our gross, our disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's see, you did the first EP, but there's surely been subsequent music after that. Yeah. Right? So I've released, I mean, two or three singles every year since then. Um, I actually just put out a song yesterday. Really? I put out um, a live version of a song that I uh, put out a few years back called Six Strings and a Broken Heart um, that I actually had live recorded at Sonny's. Cool. Um, and that Alex actually did. And Shout out to um, Alex Amato, our just, producer here. Just the man. Uh, really great guy. Um, and yeah, it sounds great. I really like it. I, the main reason I wanted to put it back out is... I mean, I, I feel like for me, I've personally grown as a musician, a performer in the past three, four since years. Since you released just that since original, I released right? it. And I even listened to it, and I think it sounds great. I think it sounds fine. But I even, I really just wanted to capture it in a new way and its form that it is right now. Mm. It's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Um, and so that was kind of the motivation behind doing the live version of it. And I have out. considered re, uh, retracking a few of my songs because I... Let's see. I I believe it was a song I put out in 2019 called Black and White that I didn't love the production on. I went and retracted that and I was like, oh, you can breathe new life into something that's old and stale. Yeah. And then for like sure. it even more. Yeah. Um, and even and that way, even with the live version of it now, I can I've released it and it's new, but that's still not I'm not trying to take away from the original right. studio version of it because it that still has value and mm-hmm. i still really like it um it's, it's just a come, live version it's a live version it's come a long way and it has a different sort of intensity um and full fullness and rawness to it that i don't think the studio so for has. people who haven't heard your music before do you have like an elevator pitch of what it actually sounds like an elevator pitch of what it actually yeah um it's all very acoustic driven um okay. i john Mayer talks about this a lot um the the best songs are written the best songs that are written can be sung and performed in its fullness on just a singer and an acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. Um, and I really take that to heart uh, as far as lyrics go. Um, and so all of my songs are, are super acoustic driven. Um, I, I would say acoustic pop, a little bit of country kind of flair. I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a country artist, but more. You got hints of rock in there too. Yeah. There's a little bit of like, the the acoustic umbrella and then you'd kind of dabble in every everything for sure which is fun because now i feel like i'm i'm making it my own right which um i try to do that's the goal right like that's one of the things that i think is hard about being like i'm a blues artist 
Right. And then what if you write a pop song? Then, and yeah, and then your fan base is mad when you put out something that's yeah. slightly different than blues. But that's why so many of John Mayer's albums are totally different. Right. And why he can still go on these tours with just him and his guitar For sure. and still sell 20,000 seats. Right. Because it's just good songs. Yeah. And um, even same thing, I mean, going back to Taylor Swift and now even another artist whose style is not really the same as me, but that I love is Olivia Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think her songwriting is great. Of course, Ed Sheeran um, is a classic. Uh, Ed Sheeran just, was one of those ones early on that really started kind of bridging the gap between me being just like, I'm in a rock band. Right. And me wanting to actually write songs. Yeah, absolutely. And what's cool right now is how big just like acoustic type stuff totally. is in right now. I mean, uh, another big example, Noah Kahn. Noah Kahn, um, John Mayer, Ed Sheeran. like They're just dudes with an acoustic guitar. And that never gets old. No, people just, people love it. I went and saw uh, Rustin Kelly and Noah Kahn in Atlanta a few months ago. That's and cool. Just one of the coolest shows ever, just dudes with a band that's mostly acoustic driven, just crushing it and playing great songs that have been well crafted. And I think it's another tr- a testament to like a truly good song is that it can be played in almost any genre. Right. And still translate. For sure. Um, especially, I even talk to my students all about this because I do songwriting with my students as well. Uh, looking at people like Ed Sheeran specifically and how his music can be country, his music can be pop, his music can be rock. I mean, he's got that version of uh, Bad Habits with oh, there's some punk. I don't remember who it was. But uh, it, a good song is a good song no matter what genre Mm-hmm. it's in and being me personally i am not the strongest at production in general that's just not right. my strength not even necessarily my passion um i really just want to focus on writing good well-crafted songs because then there's people that are good at production and you can say here's here's a good song it's like sushi if you start with good fish right you can build the good roll around it but if you have bad fish everything will kind of stink with it right it's like you can't you can't save a bad song with at least for me some people really like I mean, like EDM music, for example, like has a place mm-hmm. in music. Um, I'm not as into it because, like you, you like don't want to take a bunch of like Molly and go to a rave, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> not, and then get up and teach on a Tuesday morning. No, that doesn't necessarily work. Um, but yeah, it's hard. You can't save. It's hard to save a not well written song with mm-hmm. production. But then once you have a great song and great production, that's where you've got something really special. Yeah, like there's there's country artists who's like I don't I don't love country music, mm-hmm. but I can go back and objectively listen to some of these songs and just just the storytelling and the like sometimes just the rhyme scheme. You're like, I never would have thought about putting these words together. Right. And it's sure. it's just a testament to honing that craft of like the art of the song right rather than just this is a song. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Um I love people who tell stories or try to tell stories and i just i just appreciate a good hook i mean that's the first thing i'm looking for when i'm writing a song is the hook what's going to be you know what's the main idea um so yeah well let's take a quick break and then come right back to that because i love to talk about the process of songwriting so we'll take a quick commercial break and come right back with brockwell mason on the nashville tour stop podcast
And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Brockwell and Nason sitting in the house today. Yes, sir. We got a little distracted chit-chatting in the break, but I do want to come back to the songwriting process you just talked about right before we took our commercial. So when you start writing a song, do you have a general, like, a place you start lyrics, guitar hook, anything, or do you just kind of roll with it and see what happens? Yeah, a lot of it is rolling with it and seeing what happens. I will say, though, if I'm, like, sitting down and, like, I want to write or I'm trying to write with somebody, uh, the hook is the first thing that I try to think of. Um, of course, like, probably everybody else, I've got a list in my phone of just things that I've got when I'm in the car or at the grocery store that I've thought of and have jotted down. But coming up with the hook, um, I try to do the chorus first. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel it's easier for me to have the chorus and then the verses you're building up to something as opposed to... I think so too, because it's hard to write a verse and then a second verse and be like, and then what does this mean? Right, because the verse... I mean, the whole point of the verse... I mean, it's so funny. I even talked to my students about this, that writing a song is like writing a paper. Mm -hmm. Your chorus is your thesis... And you have and, to work backwards. And yeah, and your supporting details are the verse. So mm-hmm. to me, it's hard. It doesn't make much sense to have some killer verses and nowhere to go. Right. Um, unless you're writing a s- sort of song. I mean, you've got songs that are more like strophic in form where they've got multiple verses mm-hmm. that just use the same melody for the whole song. Like especially some old, like You Are My Sunshine, like some of those older right. Or Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. (laughs) If you're writing Bohemian Rhapsody, then what I just said makes zero sense, right? So, It is still somehow one of the most instantly recognizable songs ever. Which is, I actually, I have a hot take. Hot take on Bohemian Rhapsody. I think Queen is the greatest band of all time. Oh, that is a, that is a good hot take. I will, I will, I will not fight back. Their ability to write. A, the best frontman for sure. I mean, Freddie Mercury Absolutely is a god amongst harmony. men. Before um, like before pitch correct. Right. I mean, if you listen, yeah, to We Are the Champions or Somebody to Love, like they did all that just without any sort of auto tune. Um, the mix sounds great, uh, but just their use of even classical music. Um, really, and of course, they're all like astrophysicists or mm-hmm. something. So they're all really smart. Um, and the way they can write a stadium song like We Will Rock You or We Are the Champions, but right. then. Uh, write Bohemian Rhapsody, which you just said. At any part of that song, everyone immediately knows. Oh yeah, every, what it is. Every little snippet, section, whatever you want to call it, movement of that yes. song is as recognizable as the next, for or sure. Or the previous, which is just wild. So yeah, that's my hot take of the day. Some people might disagree, but every I used to have Fat Bottom Girls as my ringtone. <laughs> Dude, that's actually become like my karaoke song. The the uh, the drum fill the dig, 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 it's dig, just dig. it's just so sick every I just love them and Brian May's guitar tone is stellar is stellar it's just did you know that the uh, fret buttons on his twelfth fret are actually like buttons off of his shirt I did not know that they're actually the fret markers are actually buttons that's cool uh did you see the mo- the Bohemian Rhapsody movie a few years back with really? uh, Rami Malek did you see that one uh uh-uh. uh um, it's like a bio. No, oh no, I totally did see that. I totally did yes. see that. Um, I just remember I talking about Brian May's guitar tone, like the opening, the what 21st Century Fox, and how it's like in the Queen style guitar, yeah. the fanfare. Oh, I just that style is awesome of guitar. Queen was one of the first bands that my dad let me listen to. Uh huh. 
because he had like the vinyl print of Night at the Opera. Yeah, and that's awesome. Like. I remember seeing the whatever it was like the Tin Man or whatever on the front. And <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like scared. I was like right. what is no, this? They're they're odd. Like it's yeah. just it's weird. I mean, yo, the 70s. So 70s best, artwork. Best decade for music in my opinion by the way. By the way, that's that's one that might you 70s. might get some pushback on. I might get some on. pushback. I am kind of an advocate for that. <laughs> 70s. Yeah. Some but there stuff. is so much of it. Like my some of my favorite bands are all 70s bands. ACDC, Van Halen, Queen, yeah. Aerosmith, Fleet, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, one I mean, of my personal favorites. Yeah, yeah, you maybe okay. Maybe I'm not fighting you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. The more you look into it, I mean, even technically, the Beatles' last album, Let It Be, came out in 1970. 1970 yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see if Queen is one of your favorite bands. Who are some of the other artists that that got you into songwriting? Um, oof, that got me. In, I mean, John Mayer, of course, is one that got me into songwriting, which I know we've talked about him, and we could just go on and on about him alone. Using the um, thumb over the top yeah. of the fretboard. Yeah. Ugh. Um, I, I love the Beatles. I think uh, the Beatles are the most influential band, and I don't think we'd have music the way we do today without the Beatles. Um, their creativity is great. Uh, it's funny. Another random. I mentioned him earlier. Bon Jovi. I, I have this obsession. JBJ, with man. JBJ. That is I bought the, the original when Urban Wet. Cowboy. That know? was one of the first CDs I bought with Slippery When Wet. Dude, it's a great record. It is it a great is record. It is so good. I um I remember watching a dude on American Idol back, I don't even remember his name, perform a Bon Jovi song. And nice. I was like, it was Blaze of Glory. It oh was, my God. That was off I, of like the, the 2006 Young album. Yeah. And I was like, this is just the greatest. Who is this band? <laughs> and I was like, I was very young. I was like, I have to find out. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Because <laughs> this is going to be my new favorite. Um, Speaking of songs that I had as ringtones, Living on a Prayer was another one. But that moment right at the last chorus when the key changes. When the key, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, classic guys like that. Um, and the John Mayer, Ed, Sheer- uh, Ed Sheeran. I mean, growing up. Uh, when I was in middle school was when Ed Sheeran was getting really popular. So as I was figuring out what songwriting was and all that, Ed Sheeran is a guy that I look to um, pretty consistently. Uh, and like I said, even Taylor Swift, I love the way that she writes her songs. Um, and yeah, now Noah Kahn, uh, mm-hmm. a guy who's really inspiring to me at the moment. Um, oh, another country artist, you know, Elena Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love her new stuff. That's uh, cool. Kind of in the country world. I think she's... I'm not too familiar with her catalog. Yeah. I know who she is, but I don't yeah. know any of her um, stuff. She's one I've been listening to a lot lately. He's a little lesser known. I don't... I mean, she's getting bigger right now. She's got a song out with Chris Stapleton. Uh, Who's oh, that? Speaking <laughs> of Chris Stapleton, Mike, just brilliant all the way. He's somebody who I have started to get into way too late. Like, oh, really? I feel like he's been huge for years. And I was on vacation this summer and I was listening to Tennessee whiskey. Yes. And then I just kind of let Spotify take just over. Take, oh, and, right. and I was just like, every single song on Traveler is amazing. Is yeah. Um, he's got uh, From a Room, Volumes 1 and 2 are great. Millionaire and Broken Halos. Uh, yeah, he is so good. It's so funny. Uh, so the, talking about the song I put out, just put out The Six Strings and a Broken Heart live. My and I even you've heard me say this at every time I play this song at a show, it is my goal for Chris Stapleton to cut that song. That'd that is cool. like my and so that's why I mention it every everywhere I play because 
You never know. I'm always like, and that's one of the beautiful things about Nashville is you really never know who's right. going to be there. Um, For sure. A great example of that was from an episode we did back in, I think it was summer of last year, 2022. We had a country duo called Smithfield. On. I know their guitar player. Yeah. Or, and yeah. Uh, they were telling a story about why, even if nobody's at your gigs, play like somebody's there. Right. Because they were playing at the old listening room on Third Avenue or whatever. Uh huh. And they, uh, I think they said that it was the day before Thanksgiving or something, and there was nobody there. There was like there were the three people on stage. There was a couple of servers, and there were like six people in the audience. Yeah, and they're like, "This blows. Nobody's here. This sucks. I want to go home." And they still gave it a hundred percent. Right. And one of the people in the audience was the intern of the production manager for the Opry, and yeah. they got booked. At the Opry. Because they crushed it for those Because they crushed it in front of someone's intern. Yep. And you never know. That, for sure. And that's why it's so interesting. The, and you might be able to speak to this better than me. The writer's round thing is so interesting to me. Because obviously, you don't want to play the same three or four songs at every single every writer's time. round. However, I also am caught in this tension of, but I want to play what I think is my best. Right. All the time, in case somebody is there. Right. What um, if somebody's here this time and I and played playing, my, a I'm, new one? I'm playing my new ones that just aren't good yet or mm-hmm. that I'm not great at yet when I could have played one that I know works well. So that's one thing. So I tried, I've got my one or two staples right. and that I play pretty much every time, time. And then I cycle in my, my I've started to like categorize my songs into tiers of like. <laughs> These are my, the top tiers. These are the second the, strings. The starters, the minor leagues, you know. <laughs> double a uh, yeah double a yeah <laughs> yeah um, i i see it a lot where people will say i want to try playing a new song and then they forget how the chords go or they forget how the melody goes and it's like if you can't even remember then like, just don't play it just don't yeah don't even try until you can at least fake your way through knowing it right or it also <laughs> this is a big pet peeve of mine i'm sure you feel the same um when someone introduces a song and they're like it's not very good yet. I don't really know it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Why would you do it's like, it? Just play a song that you do know. Play a song that is good. I know that you know is good. I don't really care when you wrote it. It uh-uh. doesn't affect me at this moment. Uh, That's so. one of the things I've been doing lately is because I haven't written too much new music lately. Uh-huh. And my rounds were getting stale because people knew the songs that I was going to play. Right. So I started going into my catalog of like, what did I write in 2018? Mm-hmm. When I was like super deep into songwriting every sure. day, all the time. And I'm playing these songs for the first time in five years. And my friends are like, that's awesome. Is that new? And I'm like, no. No, it's not. <laughs> that's funny. So are you writing right now currently? Not at the moment too much. Uh-huh. Um, it's like it's like a phases of life thing. Like right now I'm trying to figure out how to have a dog. <laughs> and uh, Who, by the way, is sleeping so cutely sleeping on, so beautifully the, couch right on now. the couch. Just crushing it. <laughs> crushing it. <laughs> crushing it. But she, uh, she, she is a sleepy puppy. I get distracted talking about my oh, dog. No. What was I talking about? Uh, your songwriting, new songs. Wow, that derailed me. I love that. <laughs> yeah. um, I haven't been writing too much lately. Like I've been focused on work a lot. Right. And I know like, because of how like, my personality type loves to focus in on one thing really hard, and I like to accomplish one thing. And I'm in the accomplish the business stuff right now. And that's why, like, I still love playing the guitar. I still love playing rounds. I love writing songs, but I'm not 
giving 100% to it right now. So if I feel like, oh, I want to play the guitar, I will. Right. But I'm not like, it's 10 o'clock, time to practice. Yeah. I'm not sure. forcing myself to do something right now because I'm trying to grow the company of Nashville Tour Stop. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard. And I want to make sure that I'm giving the, if I have to do something every day at 10 o'clock, I'm trying to focus on this one thing right now. Right. One track mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, totally makes sense. Um, yeah, songwriting. Songwriting is a grind, especially if you're trying to write every day. I mean, and you don't want it to feel like work, even right. though you want it to be your job. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is the worst there, dichotomy ever. It is absolutely for sure. Um, especially, I mean, myself included, what I have a hard time with is you know, coming home from a day at school, teaching, spending all day with students and being like, all right, this is my creative time to knock out some songs. And this then how do you like do. reset your brain from work brain, teaching children, kids, middle schoolers, right. high schoolers to coming home and being like, I need to write a song that's going to appeal to everybody. Right. When it's like, or really, anybody, it's like, I really just need a nap, you know, yeah. like by the time I get home from work and that's, I mean, that's the struggle of songwriting is unless you're huge or a lot more successful, it's hard to do it full time or to support yourself mm -hmm. or your family or whatever you've got going on. Um, and do you schedule fun. that time in each day? Not every day. I mean, um, no, not necessarily. I am, I'm honestly a really bad planner mm -hmm. <laughs> just in general. Um, I'm, I am much better of a writer at night. Okay. Especially like after my wife goes to bed or something and it's just me by yourself by myself. That's... I do not like writing. If, if I'm not co-writing, uh -huh. like I can't just write a song at the table, like at home with my parents cooking dinner. Like it's like, yeah. I want, it's like, don't listen to me. For sure. This don't don't, don't yeah. listen to the process. Um, I write, a, I love co-writing. I write a lot by myself. I do too. Um, mainly just because, I mean, I'm available to me, you know, <laughs> you know, like I just can't. Um, it was actually fun. I wrote a song I really liked the other day. Um, I was in Chicago for a trip with some guys, and we wrote a song in the car on the way back. A guy had an idea, and I had That's my cool. little Mini Martin, and I was driving, and we literally... I love the Mini Martin. Uh, dude, it is just the most convenient, good-sounding Did you buy guitar. it because of Ed Sheeran also? Yeah, I actually got it as a graduation gift That's cool. from um, when I graduated college. Uh, my Mini Martin was my road dog for a long time. I played it at every yeah, round. and it's really nice. I don't play it as much, like, if it's just me and a round. I, I just don't think it sounds as full as... I play a Breed Love that mm -hmm. I really like. Um, but my favorite things to do with the Martin is, A, to take it on the road. But also, if I'm playing... I love playing sets with a double acoustic. So I've got a buddy who will play acoustic with me, mm -hmm. and then I'll also be playing the acoustic. But I'll Have play the color behind I'll it. play the Martin, and just the dichotomy between the two types of acoustics, I think, makes a really full acoustic sound. It is nice having the the backup set, right? Like the, the musicians to just add a little flair now yeah. and then do the solo, or if you just want two people chugging along those same chords, it does sound cool. Yeah, it does. I'm a I'm a big fan. Like I said, I um. One of my favorite shows I've ever played. I played at the Mockingbird Theater in Franklin. I've actually never been there in all of my years in Nashville. Dude, it is awesome. It's um, it's just a really cool venue with a nice little it's bar about, area. It's about ninety capacity, right? Pretty small. Uh, yeah, it's one fifty. I think okay. we, I mean, we sold around. We had about a hundred people there. Okay, and it was almost filled. Cool. Um, 
But I mean, the setup we did, we did it like a Brockwell Nason and Friends show, which nice. was really fun because what I did, I had a, I have a friend who's a stand up comedian. So she opened the show That's cool. with stand up. And then I had me and my buddy playing acoustic, a guy on electric doing more ambient type stuff, and then a bass player. And it was just like a stripped down um, show. And we did a bunch of my songs. But then b- between a couple of mine, I'd have different friends who I know from wherever come up and I'd do one of their songs with them. Uh, which ended up being fun, a kind of a fun variety sort of music show to showcase my stuff, but also to showcase my musician friends doing their stuff as well. And That's it was one really of the cool. reasons I love Tour Stop is because it enables me to give my friends a platform a to perform. To right. And we are very appreciative. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's that's one of the things I really grew to love really early on was was being able to book my friends. And I look at it for kind of a different lens now because Everyone in my life is so busy. Right. And I mean, we're adults. We have jobs. We have lives. We have dogs. Many, <laughs> many people have children. That for sure. Like, yeah. It is hard asking your friends to hang out. Yeah. Not because you don't want to, but because you just have life going on. And I've kind of started to look at my job with Nashville Tourist Up is coordinating with everybody and figuring yeah. out when is everyone available. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it becomes your community. I mean, just mm-hmm. your time that you know you get to see your friends. Yep. Like this past great. week when we opened the Oak Room at the Greenbrier Distillery. Yeah, which was awesome, by the way. Awesome. So cool. It's so Such awesome. Such a great night. But many of those people that play are great friends and they never get to see each other because they're on the road or whatever. Right, or playing different and stuff. it's my job to be like, you guys are friends. This is your one night a month or one night a year. Be together. Right. Do this. Just come and hang out. Make yeah. it about hanging out. And like I have another show at the Oak Room already fully scheduled for December the 13th. Awesome. A lot of those same people who are just really hard to get a hold of. So I can like they're available to play rounds maybe once every three months. Yeah, absolutely. And like I know you're going to be leaving for the holidays probably a few days after. So let's get together one more time. Christmas show, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Cool. And it's fun getting to just be the, the liaison behind getting people together. Yeah. Whether or not it's really to play cool. shows say, or to just see their friends. Yeah. And you do a great job of, I mean, I've played in a lot of different circuits uh, where people who host it just are not as good as you are of having this positive, just encouraging environment for the artists to come and play at. So super grateful for that. It's, I appreciate it's that. A, it's Be- a pleasure to get to come play for Nashville Tourist Stop. It real. does have a lot to do with my having played so many rounds before yeah. I hosted Tour Stop was because I, gosh, there's, you're right. There are some people who you can tell they don't want to be at their own show. Right. And you, you were just there to fill a slot for mm-hmm. them. They don't do anything to promote you while you're there. Even just one thing, this is a small thing you do while having just our picture and handle above mm-hmm. our heads at the shows is really helpful. It uh, is. It's just stuff as small as that or having the playlist that you have where you're adding all of our songs released of people who play at your rounds. Mm-hmm. You have them in a playlist all together. Um, so stuff like that is super helpful for us. It, it makes me feel like because I can't pay anybody who plays yet that if I can't do that, what can I do to try to help? Yeah, absolutely. And like sharing people's new singles. Yeah. Is one of those free things that you can do to help your friends. Right. And like if you're listening and you want to know how to support your artist friends that if you don't have the cash to buy their merch, comment on their stuff on Instagram or share a post like little things like that. Like if somebody shares your stuff on Instagram, you're like, 
Yeah, like, buddy. yeah, they did. That's <laughs> yeah, so did. sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes a difference and yeah. it makes us happy and it makes you as an artist feel like somebody cares about it. Yeah. Someone's noticing. Right. Somebody's take, noticing. Took the time to do that. Yeah. And no, that's, really cool. that's one of the reasons why I love what, getting to do what we do with tour stuff is because it's just about helping your friends. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like a cliche. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's just um, about our buds. You guys have also grown like crazy the past two years, it seems like. It has grown quite a bit, and I'm trying to not let it grow out of control. Yeah. Because it could very easily get to be out of, out of control very fast, and I'm trying to mitigate the growth to, to where I can still manage it Yeah, without having to bring on a bajillion people. Right, for sure. But it, it is exciting getting to see it grow because I, get, I still feel like I do nothing. <laughs> like I still have that like, oh, it's just it's just a writer's round. It's just a, just this thing. But I know there are people who like they move to town from wherever, Indiana, yeah. and they're like, no, I've seen this on Instagram. I have to play this Nashville tour stop show. Yeah. Like which is it's awesome. a it's a rite of passage for a lot of people. Yeah. So I know it's important. And that's why I try to treat even new people when they're coming here that they're important, too, because I don't know who they are, but this is important to them. So why yeah. shouldn't I try to give the importance back? Definitely. That's one thing that's so interesting about growing up in Nashville. Um, I was talk, I talk about this all the time. It's a blessing and a curse as a musician to live in Nashville because, um, there's obviously all these really cool opportunities, um, to play these rounds, different shows and stuff, but it's also difficult to stand out because everybody does it. Um, and even going along with what you were just saying about people moving here to do this, I've lived here and been around this my whole life. So for me, I have to put myself in the mindset of this is not a mundane thing that this I'm is doing. not this, just another day. This is like really cool that I'm getting to come play at the Oak room or the Cambria hotel or Sunny's or anywhere. Right. And something that I am super intentional about not taking for granted, because I know there are people all around the country who wish that they could come move to Nashville mm-hmm. and do this sort of stuff. So I'm it, super grateful for all the opportunities that that's I'm a getting. really good point because I know there's probably still thousands of people in the country who want to do this or yeah. wish that they had the guts to do it. And the people we are surrounded by are the people who did it. Absolutely. And are doing for sure. it. Yeah. And or have, got lucky enough to grow up here. Yeah, yeah. Which is nice to hear you say that you're not too jaded about new Nashville. No, honestly, I I'm kind of in the minority here. I mean, I want to live in a place that's new and happening and mm-hmm. exciting like that. That's exciting to it me. Is like, because nobody dreams of growing up and moving to Columbia, Missouri. No, for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, when anywhere, anytime I go anywhere else in the country and I say I'm from Nashville, the response every time is, oh, I want to go there. Oh, I went there last month and had the time of my life. And oh, you guys are growing like crazy. And it, I've got this like really cool sense of Nashville pride. And yeah, I, I've been here long enough to where I do have pride in some of the older Nashville stuff. but. I'm also really pumped for the direction this city is mm-hmm. heading. And I think it's really cool to be here and be a part of it. To see like in the last 20 years, how many gigantic buildings have gone up yes. must be crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Because it's... I mean, I've been here for six and there's already a ton of new ones. Yeah. Where are you from originally? I grew up in Columbia, Missouri. Columbia, so Missouri. right bullseye oh, yeah. in the middle of the state. Cool. And it's a college town. It's got about 150,000 yeah. people, maybe with the students. So it's not a small town by any stretch. Right. But I mean, there were a couple of music venues. There was one place that had acoustic music. Like, 
the the place I grew grew up, quote quote, playing open mics was called East Side Tavern. Awesome. Soup. If you think of what a dive bar looks like, that's it. It's okay. It's it, it is the original I, dive. Bar. I have the end image in my head right now. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yes, yes. Like it's got a bunch of like they have old school TVs with VHS players, so they'll play like the VHS tri- uh, trilogy copy of Star Wars. Like cool. they'll do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but they had live music on Wednesday nights, and if you played in their open mic, they'd give you free pizza. Oh, so sweet. when I was in college, I was so poor. I was literally just going to play for dinner. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of nostalgia attached to that, but it was like the only place that anything like a remotely acoustic music happened. Right. Unless you could sell 500 or 750 seats and do the big venue. Right. Like there was no, there was no stepping stone to growing. It was like you stay the dive bar level forever. And right. Nashville has the increments like, okay, you can play at the bell courts. It's like, okay, now you can play at the place that can do, you can do the basement. Right. Or then you can go and do the basement east, or then you can do third and Lindsley. And it's like, there's like the incremental growth. Yeah. The growth curve is here, which is awesome. Yeah. And it's encouraging because, yeah, like there's something to work towards, Mm -hmm. which is fun. Um, Did you ever play Guitar Hero? I played a lot of Guitar Hero. I played a lot of Guitar Hero, but it reminds me of like working your way through the different venues, like to the next bigger one. You're like, Ooh, I gotta yeah. play the arena someday. <laughs> which uh, I'm, which Guitar Hero is your favorite? I had Guitar Hero two. Two. That was a, that was one that started getting really popular. Was that two. was the one that started getting popular? Yeah. And then um, then I had Guitar Hero three. Three of the Legends of Rock. Mm-hmm. Or through the Fire and Flames. Oh, I was the I was, was the guy birth. who could strum with the elbow and do the two finger tapping. Um, okay, you're yeah. better than I am then. But yeah, I was that dude, guy. That was so good. And then I had a. Uh, World Tour was a big one that I had as well. That was that had the Joe Satriani song Satch Boogie on it. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> I think that was like one of the last songs on it because yes. it's so hard. There also had a, a whole set you had to play of Tool songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like super young and I'm just like, what am I doing here? This yep. Is, yep. Uh, no, but it was... the f- Oh, and the first song, the main reason I liked it, the first song on that game was Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. They oh. did. Those games were pretty special to me for a while. Yeah. And they were, what was cool about those games is they were an accessible way for anybody to get into something musically. Yep. I mean, it doesn't teach you how to play guitar, but it's the same reason I play the guitar. Yeah. Well, but it makes playing the guitar, learning the guitar seem cool. And it does also teach rhythm. I mean, you've got to have some sort of, it did teach me to synchronize my left and my right. There hand. you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's I true. started learning the guitar because of Guitar Hero 2, and there was a video in the like bonus features of how it was made, uh-huh. and there was a guy playing a flying V playing an Anthrax song Amazing. called Madhouse, and I was like, I want to do <laughs> I, that. <laughs> I want to make that like sound. That, that is end goal right yeah. there. Yes. So I remember asking my dad if I could quit piano lessons and take guitar lessons, and he's like, oh, well, if you quit, I want to see you practicing every day. You know, the whole parent yeah, thinking that'll sure. never happen. Yeah. And he regretted that. He regretted that because you're Cause like, I bet, watch me. Watch yeah. me. And yeah. oh boy, did I practice every day, That's like fun. hours a day. And then that was around the time my hearing started getting worse. Yeah. So I had to crank the amp just a little, a little bit louder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, do you Those still, games were important. Yeah. Do you still play um, piano at all? I do still play the piano. Cool. I wish that I could have, uh, have one here in my little, my little living room, yeah. but. 
uh, I do still play the piano, cool. not as not as fluently as I used to be yeah. able to. But I was a music theory and composition major for a while in That's college. Oh, cool! Very and cool. And I had to take piano classes, of yeah, course. Yeah, me too. And I got pretty proficient through college. Yeah. And once I moved here and didn't have a keyboard to play actively, because I'd just go to the yeah. practice rooms in school, and I kind of I got rusty. And we had a show a few weeks ago where an artist uh, was playing the keyboard, and I was up there trying to check it, and I was like how do I play this song that I wrote on the keyboard five yeah. years ago? I don't even remember. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, I am technically proficient in piano by the MTSU school of music standards. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but um, I will say one thing that's been fun about teaching choir is my piano chops have gotten a lot better just by having to, I mean, I'm, I play hours of piano every day just through my job, which is one reason I do love mm -hmm. one great thing about me teaching is I am getting to do music every day, even though it's not songwriting all the time which is really what I'm passionate about. Um, I'm getting to do music. I bet you're really day. good at those scales. Yeah, I can crush, especially those five-finger scales that are just <laughs> the warm-ups. Oh, automatic. Yeah, yeah. You, you know the, the uh, bah, 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 your, yes, your inversions of every do, chord. Do, re, mi, fa, so, fa, mi, re, do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the yeah. good stuff. I remember the, uh, the piano classes all too well. I, had, um, I think it was my freshman year of college. I had 8 a.m. group piano. No, nothing piano. kids in like freshman year of college hated more than group piano is 8 a.m class and i put so, my hands together <laughs> yeah so bad 8 a.m's so good. you do the songwriting now you've got music coming out with this new single uh or this newly released version of an old single rather yeah. um what would you like to accomplish what would be the like because obviously there's there's many things i'm sure you would like to accomplish but what are some of the uh, shall we call them first round draft picks of things you would like to accomplish to take your music to the next step? Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of to the point I'm still like pretty early in the artist development sort of phase for myself, but, um, I would love to at some point be able to make it either full time as an artist or a songwriter, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a pub deal or artist deal, I either would be awesome at the moment. Um, I, do love songwriting so much and my goal is to have you know people pick up those songs and then even have some opportunities to perform them as well and if that makes me be able to make it as an artist that'd be great um that's what i'm looking for down the line um with that being said i i do love my current job um and i'm what's cool about my job teaching is i still get that sort of creativity mm. uh the musical creativity which is fun um, and I'm really thankful that I'm doing it because it's making me a better musician that is translating to my personal artist stuff. So, yeah. Um, being, so being a Nashville native, where are some of the places that would be special for you to get to play? Um, I'd really love to do the Bluebird. I've never done the Bluebird. Um, so it's a rite of passage. It was I, the first place I played when I moved I know, to Nashville. I've never played there. Um, then the Listening Room mm -hmm. um, and uh, the Ryman. I mean, my favorite place in the world to listen to music is the Ryman that um, that'll be a special day. If ever I'm uh, able to get to do that is play there. Um, so we'll see. Not even 3000 tickets. So that's one of the more like, I don't want to say attainable places, right. but, but um, it's not like you're trying to sell 75,000 right. seats at Nissan for sure. But there, there's just something so charming about the Ryman. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I feel it's like intimate, it's intimate. And I, I mean, I feel like if I'm playing the Ryman, I've probably made it to some degree, you know, like, uh, mm -hmm. so that's definitely on my list. Um, I want to put together 
a tour of some sort. Like I said, uh, it's super cool playing in Nashville all the time, but I feel like where a lot of people who come moving into Nashville have an advantage is they've built a fan base in whatever smaller town or community that they came from, and they have some sort of fan base coming into Nashville. Mm -hmm. Or since I'm already in Nashville by default, I don't necessarily have that, so I right. want to branch out. You just like, have uh, your family friends that I've you've always had I've got my family and here. friends that have always been here, which, by the way, they're great. My family, my dad, my mom, my in-laws, they come to almost every single show that I play throughout the That's week. That's great. Um, and it's great bonding for us. I mean, there are worse, worse things to do on a Monday night than go play live music at a cool bar in town. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, um, I love getting to do that. But I would love to do some sort of tour as well. Um, so look, doing that in the next year or two. That would be um, very cool. Like on spring break or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you can call it. The spring break the spring, tour. The spring In break. parentheses, I'm finally off work <laughs> yes. for a minute. <laughs> yes. Um, well, can you give us your plugs? Tell folks where they can find your music online, where they can listen to the new single. Yeah. Um, everything. I'm on all streaming services. Um, TikTok and Instagram is Brockwell Nason Music. Um, I'm working on a website that will be launching here hopefully in the next few months, uh, which is going to be BrockwellNasonMusic.com. And then, yeah, like I said, all streaming, uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, whatever you've got, I'm on it and would love for you to check it out. I will have all of that linked in the episode description as well. So if you're listening and you would like to click into whatever it is of Brockwell's social presence on the internet, yeah. you, can, you can find that in the episode link description. Well, I would like to ask you as a, now as a native, something that I ask sometimes, but I think will be better having you as a native's okay. perspective. What are your favorite like hole in the wall places, food, restaurants, bars in Nashville that might be not on the top ten places to go? Stuff things to do. Google okay. for Nashville. Um, there is a place. Uh, first, my actual favorite is Prentice Hot Chicken. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love. I live in South Nashville in the South Shack over on Nolansville. I'm a big hot chicken. Prince guy. is in the little shopping mall. Yes, and that super small one, which is really yep. hard to park. Um. I'm a big fan, if you haven't been, of uh, Bar Taco. Bar Taco. Um, in 12 South. Best margarita in town, maybe. They do make it fresh. They it's do squeeze the fresh. lime right out. Oh, no. It's close between that and rose pepper. Mm -hmm. uh, but Bar Taco is great. It's like East Coast style Mexican food, mm -hmm. which is kind of counterintuitive. But <laughs> I know what you mean. It makes sense when you go there. I do like Bar Taco a lot, even though it is a bit of a tourist destination. I do love Bar Taco. Yeah. Um, it just tastes good. I also, if you want to go down to Franklin, there's a little spot called Americana Tap House. I've never heard of that. Um, it's on the main, yeah, it's just, it's like on the outskirts of downtown Franklin. Um, that's is that really kind good. of out there or around or down there by OB Joyful, the little yes, uh, whiskey it's, bar? Yes. It's close to down there, which, by the way, is top three favorite bars for me in all of the Nashville area. Really? I love Obi Joyful. It and is a great, good one. It, and they've got great food, too. It's not mm -hmm. just drinks, but their food is It is phenomenal. a vibe. Cool they vibe. Have a, they have a cocktail there called a Red Corvette. Uh-huh. And they, they like light it on fire and they deliver it to you. And yes. it glows red and orange and stuff. Yes, it's cool. I've seen that. That's cool. But uh, Obi Joyful. Well, thank you for listening this week. You can give us a follow on all of our social medias. And in the meantime, remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop. Five, if anybody would like to trek to Franklin. It's like, yeah, it's not too far, like a 30-minute like 20 drive. Minutes, 25, 20 minutes, depending on Or traffic. if you drive like a Nashville in about 10, 15. It's about 10, 15. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Brockwell, thank you for joining us on the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with today? No, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Like I said, it's always a pleasure to play with the Nashville Tour Stop. My first, you guys are my first round ever. Really? You were, yeah. Well, um, I'm delighted to have been, uh, been the first really, round. really cool. So, yeah, I am looking forward to more shows with you guys. And thank you guys for listening. Of course. We'll be here again next week. We will be having the 100th podcast episode coming up soon, which is awesome. But in the meantime, you can check us out on our social media platforms at Nashville Tour Stop. If you'd like to come attend a live show, we have the full live event calendar on the website at NashvilleTourStop.com. If you'd like to look at photos of my dog, you can find my Instagram somehow. I'm Aaron, but you're <laughs> not. You, you, she's everywhere. You'll see her around eventually. But. Give us a follow. If you are listening, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. We are just a few people shy of 200 subscribers now. Who the heck is out there listening to this? It's crazy. <laughs> Y'all are listening to the podcast more every week than all of the music I have ever released combined. So thank you for listening. Um, leave us a five-star review. Or if you hate it and you've made it this far, you can leave us a one-star review and tell me why you listened for an hour and still... You decided that you hate it. Yeah, tell me that you hated it. <laughs> well, thank you for listening this week. You can give us a follow on all of our social medias. And in the meantime, remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop.